Titan spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 210th annual Sublime Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory. Bullshit, my name is Cody, and I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. Just another uh, boring, mundane week in this dystopian world we live in um, that has gotten a little shooken up, actually, by a quote-on-end-quote whistleblower for the UFO disclosure Um we kind of missed it because it was what last Thursday or Friday it happened. Yeah, it was. Well, so it was kind of uh, a couple of days. So we recorded on Tuesday, and I believe most of it happened on like Wednesday and okay. Thursday. So yeah, we just missed out on it. You know, it's funny because this is the first time I can remember even people who aren't necessarily really into alien shit have been talking about it, and. Um, I've noticed they're a little bit more perplexed by it, you know what I mean? And I would love if this guy was telling the truth, obviously. But I feel like we've ran into so many alleged whistleblowers who are probably full of shit that I don't know if I really trust this guy. Yeah, that's the thing. If this... Okay, so imagine if this happened back in the 90s. It would be all over the evening news. It'd be all over the newspapers. And the the very young, you know, cable news networks at the time would be covering it like crazy. Like amount. The amount that they'd be covering, it'd be all the time. The problem is that now we live in these like fucking news cycles that just roll over so quickly. Also, we've seen whistleblowers like this, like you mentioned. We've seen them at, if you followed like the alien disclosure uh, and all of that shit, basically we've seen whistleblowers at all of those conventions go out there and talk. And this is the first time that we're seeing one like, you know, give witness in front of Congress basically about what he supposedly knows. Also too, so many people don't believe the government that they're probably thinking, well, this is just a goddamn fucking cover up for something that's actually going on. Like, Oh shit. If they're telling us this now, what are they actually doing? You know, are we about to invade Russia or something about to give, uh, are we about to give Ukraine like $50 billion under the table? I mean, haven't they already given them quite a bit of money? I mean, Oh, definitely. Yeah. But just a burst of money. Um, So, okay, a quick synopsis of this guy. What do you know about? I I like I I will admit I did not watch the hour and a half thing of him. Um I've just heard basically the cliff notes kind of that he's he's more or less saying that he knows without a doubt that the government has an alien craft and had been reverse engineering it. Am I right about that yeah kind of i also 
uh, got most of my information from Instagram. <laughs> so a lot of what I saw was basically him just kind of saying they have non-terrestrial crafts and they're not necessarily piloted by human sort of situation uh, that they have biological entities, um, you know, locked up somewhere kind of deal. So it's it's one of those one of those situations where like we've heard all of this before. So it's you keep hearing the same thing. But do we keep hearing the same thing because it's true or do we keep hearing the same thing because they all say the same thing? You know, is it what we want to hear? So if let's just say hypothetically they do have this, this guy's telling the truth. I mean, can they force them to show the public this or would they just be like, yeah, we have it. And then end of conversation. I mean, here's the thing. If if it is true, some of the more powerful people in that room do know that it's true, if it is true or not. They do know that it's true. They know where the bodies are. They know where the aircraft are. They might have met an actual alien. Some of the most powerful people like in that room, some of the guys who are like part of the intelligence community, they've been in and out of Congress. They've, you know, all over the place. Those guys, the George H.W. Bush types, you know what I mean? They've been you know some of the top people that you might assume like may have actually you know been privy to some of that information most of the like congress people aren't going to be privy to that information so they're going to be the ones who are actually asking questions maybe they really want to know so i i don't know it's one of the, it, it feels a little bit like a dog and pony show yeah i could see that like this guy's a shell yeah like definitely a, not, I mean, uh, I want to, I want to believe that he's, you know, bearing true witness and all, but it just feels like, you know, we've been fucked over so many times <laughs> and this is totally something that they would do to cover something. So here's the thing. I think the only way to fully convince people at this point would be to physically put the goddamn craft or whatever on the news with the bodies yeah, and you know, lay it out. I know there's a few car, like few senators who've been pushing for like this type of disclosure for fucking decades now. Um, I can't remember the one guy. Some he's a senator. He's been trying to like work on this pretty much by himself for many many years, but um, so it's kind of like slowly coming to fruition, but. I don't know. Do you know, like, what's the next step now? Do they, any idea? Well, if you, so there was the movie, Paul, about the alien that crashed and the U.S. government was using using him to kind of, like, siphon out some technologies and information and all that stuff. Basically, um, it's it's been a kind of an idea that the U.S. government has been slow feeding us alien stuff for, like, 50 years or 60, 70 years, whatever it is, since Roswell. They've been slow feeding us all of this information, you know, these stories, all of that stuff, to the point where they could kind of disclose and no one would care. And maybe that's what just happened. Maybe they just disclosed and no one gives a fuck. You know, maybe their plan came to fruition last week. But is this guy, this guy is like an ex-government guy though, right? Like, he's not an official guy saying all this, is he? No, he's just another one of those ex-government whistleblowers. Yeah. The difference is he was in front of Congress. Congress was asking him questions and not immediately tearing him down 
or calling him a you know a moron or a you know like giving all these crazy excuses or just completely insulting him that sort of deal well i i i don't know i well what i i guess what i meant was like is there going to be like a push oh. from congress to be like okay pentagon you have to reveal these things like i don't even know if they have the authority to do that probably not no i don't even think the president you would have to find yeah. the real people who are in power the actual you know not the president he's just kind of like the front man you got to find the people who are like behind the curtains like pulling all the strings use the proper it's, term it's, phil the cabal the cabal yeah, yeah you got to figure out the cabal <laughs> which might be made up of fucking reptilians for all we know the thing is we've said it on we've said it in an episode before like, what would it take for you to be satisfied with disclosure? And basically, I said, I have to see an alien craft land, like, on the White House lawn with my own eyes. I can't even see it on TV because I won't believe it in still. Have to see it with my own eyes. Have to see an alien get out and shake the president's hand. That's pretty much like, like, I've, you know, you've just been fed so much bullshit over the years by both sides. You need to see it like, like, eyewitness like the official meeting, that sort of situation. The official disclosure. I, I would be happy if the government mil or military even officially just like showed what they had. I think I'd be satisfied with that. If they have, you know, the <laughs> the Independence Day alien in a water tube, you know what? I'd be happy with that. Yeah, possibly. I mean, it can be faked, though, as well. True. All of that. They have technologies right now that are, I mean, imagine some of the stealth and some of the airplane designs that they invented back in the 70s that they're flying around now. That sort of situation. I mean, back then, that would have been like magic. If you saw that, you'd have thought, imagine seeing an F-117 back in like the early 80s, late 70s. You'd have thought that was a fucking UFO. Now we see it and we're like, oh, that's just a stealth bomber. You know, yeah, yeah, that is a good point. Fighter bomber, you know, they called it a fighter to not scare people, but that sort of thing. <laughs> well, uh, I guess you know, obviously, we will keep talking about um, if any more comes of this, but uh, that is not what our episode's about today, Phil. So, are you ready for this week's episode? Yeah, let's get into it. Okay. Great segue, as always. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it, you might see some correlation as we go along. Um, not necessarily about aliens, but uh, government Speaking hiding Speaking of big stuff. heads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On this week's episode, we're going to be diving into an urban legend that more than likely most of our listeners have heard of. Nothing is more effective in scaring younger people than a legend about a pack of mutated children wanting to inflict pain upon them. Now, what is unique about this particular urban legend is that it is prominent in three different states with three different origin stories that branch off into even more origin stories, which we will all cover. And I'm going to be real with everybody, and I don't think this is a surprise most of this is quite unbelievable. The fact that a, a tribe of either mutated or children with certain diseases could survive in the wilderness 
and just be, I guess, eating people and animals and just kind of hiding out um, is, you know, a little over the top. But what we want to find is, is there any validity to the stories, the encounters, or if it's just nothing more than a myth compounding on top of itself? Come on now, you've been to New Mexico. You know that there are wild packs of humans out there. True, true. Cannibalistic, obviously illiterate. Yeah. That will stop at nothing to feed their hunger. You know what's funny? The correlations between this and the Hills Have Eyes are... Mm. You can, some of the legends sound like fucking the Hills Have Eyes, but um, I we need to thank one of our fans for tossing recommendations at us. Um, And this was one of them. And it's because this is kind of an urban legend where she lives. We want to thank Caitlin. Um, We kind of, I kind of branched out just from the Michigan melon heads. And we're kind of talking about uh, the tri-state ones. Um, Some of them are a little weirder than the others. But uh, are you familiar with the... Legends of Melonheads, Phil? No, I'm not. Uh, I'm not at all. Actually. Really, I've never heard of this. Nope, no, never heard of this one. It was. It was funny because my a friend of mine always asks, like, when it's my week to an episode, she's always like, "Hey, what are you gonna do this week?" And I was like, "Oh, hey, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna do what about Melonheads?" The response back was, "What the fuck is a Melonhead?" <laughs> And then I was like, you know what? You just got to Google it and uh, you'll find out. I'm kind of shocked you didn't know. I thought everybody did. No, I've never heard of this one. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I guess you're in for a little adventure with me here. So obviously these mutated kids or whatever you want to call them, they kind of go by the moniker of melon heads. Some places call them weeble heads, which is kind of fun too. But predominantly, it is Melonheads. And we will start off with the legend of Melonheads in Michigan. Moreover, Holland and Sagatuck, which are cities within Michigan that are said to be the place where the Melonheads reside. Now, these two towns are located in western Michigan and reside in Allegheny County. The largest city nearby is Grand Rapids. But as far as I can tell from all the reading, uh, Melonheads must not be a fan of big city living because there is mm. no sightings <laughs> in Grand Rapids. Now, is this in the Upper Peninsula or is this kind of on the mid? Which what part of like West? Like middle? Because like, you some people middle. call West Michigan the, the UP, but mm. you mean like the western part of the mid, right? Yeah. Yes. The oh, okay. UP would be, oh. to me, would be Northwest. Gotcha. I've From what I've heard about people from the, the, the UP, also known as Oopers, Oopers uh, a yeah. lot of them are Melonheads. Yeah. It's a different, <laughs> it's weird because it's, I everybody says it's just like the people talk different and stuff, which is yes. kind of, you know, everyone kind of has that Midwest accent like Phil and I have, uh, but the Oopers take they, it to like an extreme. They are the West Mis- <laughs> They are the West Virginia of the Grand Lakes, like <laughs> Great Lakes area, definitely. So yeah, this when I say Western Michigan, this is like right up against um, Lake Michigan, pretty much. 
as well. Am yep. I saying that? Yeah, Lake Michigan. Um, it's like the cities are out a little bit, but I'm guessing from the map, it's probably like 20 miles, maybe 30 from the actual coast of Lake Michigan. So it's really close. Um, but I've never been to Michigan. Have you? No, never been there. Okay. I've heard it's pretty, pretty cool. I imagine it probably looks a lot like, uh, I always vision it looked a lot like if you get deep in Wisconsin, it's just like woods, man, just woods and woods and woods. Yeah. I know from what I've heard about the UP, that's obviously definitely like all wooded area. And then it kind of, um, yeah, from what I've heard, it's, it's really pretty there. Like the, you know, the main part of Michigan. It's really nice. There's a lot of good places. Obviously it's dotted with, you know, the, the, the rust belt cities now. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, very true. Well, uh, we will be talking about another state and city you're very fond of, but, uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that later in the episode. Now, the legend of the Melonheads in Michigan seems to kind of revolve around a place called Felt Mansion, which is a place that was built in the 1900s by Dor Felt, which Felt Mansion would be referred to as Agnes House. Now, Agnes is Dor's wife. He would spend three years kind of, I didn't, was confused if he was building it or if he was just kind of guiding people, but he was very very meticulous about the house and the construction and he wanted every little detail to be perfect it would uh, finally be completed in 1925 now before i continue on here i want to mention he owned 1000 acres so this <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> he has this house it has like other stuff too on it obviously but 1000 acres that is so big. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a lot of Midwest farmers who own, you know, well, not anymore. Now it's all factory farm. But, you know, back in the day, owning, you know, thousand acres wasn't too big of a deal. Uh, this is all, I'm guessing, a lot of like forest area. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. The, I, kind of what I've taken out of it, you have the house and then he had other stuff like stables and whatever. Um but the house is kind of the main thing, but it was on a thousand acre lot. So, but okay. Yeah, but I, go ahead. I was going to say, I imagine that it's just like that Instagram meme that's been going around where it's the guy who shows up to the construction yard wearing the white hat, the white hard hat. He's kind of pointing <laughs> at the building, pointing at the plans, pointing at the building. And that's all he does sort of thing. <laughs> He just comes down there, bosses around the workers, and then like fucks off yeah. pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> He's probably not far off because this is a guy with the money. Um, yep. I found out he, <laughs> Dorfelt got rich because he invented the, I can't remember the exact name of it, but it was like the computator or something like that. It was basically like a really old calculator. Okay, yeah, those were those were big back then. Those got us to the moon. <laughs> oh, really? Well, thank you, Mr. Felt, for helping us get to the moon eventually. Well, it's those kind of like county machines uh, sort of deal. I'm not exactly sure. There was probably a bunch of them, but yeah, yeah those were those were pretty big 
in like accounting offices and like scientists and stuff like that. So before then, it, it was just like mathematicians doing it all on paper. So well, this guy is, uh, and as far as I can tell, this guy seems like a pretty good guy. Um, now after construction, this is really sad. They were only there six weeks before Agnes would pass away. And I'm going to assume because he was heartbroken, Dorfelt would end up dying within a year and a half after she died. Now, the mm. Felt family, the property would remain in their name all the way into 1949. They then sold it to the Catholic Diocese out of Chicago. <laughs> And it would become St. Augustine Seminary. Then in 1978, the diocese sold the land to the state of Michigan, who turned it into a prison. And that lasted all the way into 1992. It was then abandoned all the way up until 2001, when a project took over to kind of restore the mansion, kind of take it back to its original glory. And now you can... As far as I can tell, you can visit it, check it out. It's a beautiful building, um, and it uh, obviously, as we're going to talk about, is allegedly a little little bit haunted, a um, little yep. bit spooky, as old mansions are one to be. So, yeah, it's kind of a... This house has had a interesting <laughs> history. Yeah, I was going to say, if it was a seminary... Uh, before yeah. <laughs> it was a seminary after 1949 that means that it was a prison before 1978 <laughs> yeah. and after yeah so, a lot of a uh, lot of prisoners here yeah a lot of prisoners a lot of a lot of <laughs> yeah we know we know what bad the, stuff yeah, yeah a lot of a lot of bad stuff took place in this house <laughs> When you said the Catholic Church took it over, I was like, Ugh. "Yep, yep, <laughs> that's not good." It's yeah. I uh, I'm sorry for you all. You say the this place is haunted. Eh? Yeah, <laughs> you don't say. You don't say. Now, the current legend of the origins of the melon heads in this region of Michigan states that very, very close to Felt Mansion. At one point, there was a place called Junction Insane Asylum. Now, according to legend, children suffering from hydrocephalus were sent to this insane asylum at some point, we don't really know when, between the 1900s and 1950s. Uh, these children were basically physically and emotionally abused at the asylum, uh, apparently due to their mistreatment. The, the children would just kind of become feral over time. Uh, this caused them to murder the doctors and caretakers that were taking care of them. Then all these children kind of fled into the giant forest that was surrounding Felt Mansion and Junction Insane Asylum. So they kind of haunt these grounds. That's like one section of the legend. Yeah, an asylum back then. I mean, we talked about it a ton of times. It's just a house of horrors yeah. on its own. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's sad that there is really no place. Like a lot of the homeless crisis right now is people with, you know, like mental disabilities, Men yeah. mental illnesses, having no place to go. Back then it was, it was somewhere for them to go, but it was 
terrible. Yeah. Just people living in their own feces, uncared for. When you said the doctors and nurses like taking care of them, they weren't they weren't being taken care of at all. I shouldn't say all of them, but at a lot of places. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. And obviously it almost feels bad referring to if it if it was these children as melon heads, because obviously their head is swollen due to the uh, buildup of fluid, uh, I think, in their brain and skull. That's kind of the whole thing of the disease. But um, it's the ter- term they use. And I should state, this is pretty much the only section that is allegedly the kids suffering from this disease. So all the other melon heads are apparently created from other other ways, I guess I should say. Yeah, I can imagine. So when you're talking about the people suffering from this disease being housed there, I can imagine people knowing that, you know, people who are suffering, children who are suffering from this were housed there. Also, you said that like there was stories of like escapees, you know, I, I don't know how much of it was them murdering the doctors and then fleeing into the night, that sort of situation, or just kind of escaping the grounds. But um, I can imagine, you know, children telling like, you know, campfire stories obscene or worried about seeing them coming up from behind them, you know. Now, I want everybody to keep in mind, the Michigan one doesn't necessarily, I tried to include at least one alleged encounter with like a modern pretty modern day person uh the michigan one doesn't really have that um but most of the sightings that you see are like people might see orange eyes or like something with a a figure with like a big head in the woods but they can't really make it out um is kind of the like base level of sightings for the melon heads your standard Matt Dota side. Yeah. He <laughs> he had a big head for his body, I will say that. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. No, that's it's so especially like out in wooded areas, this is very common. Yeah. Uh, you know, your brain is telling you you're going to see something kind of situation. And eventually it, you know, you see a little something, maybe you see like deer eyes and you just imagine, fuck, it's melon head. You know, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Now, what uh, I'm going to tell you another version of the alleged how the melon heads in this region kind of came about. Um, that kind of takes a different turn, which I think is kind of interesting. Now, mm. in this version, the children were being treated for hydrocephalus at Felt Mansion. There was no asylum. They were actually, at some point, maybe the Catholic Church or something was treating them at some point. Um, Again, they rebelled. They killed the doctor and apparently cut up his body and then tossed his body all over the grounds. Uh, The Melonheads then discovered that there was kind of a cave network underneath the mansion, and this is kind of where they reside and where they survive and hide out. Now, there's a legend that a group of teenagers back when the mansion was kind of abandoned and unoccupied. You know, you got urban explorers. They broke in there. Now, they claim they saw ghosts of these melon-headed children in the mansion, and they kind of saw... I I couldn't... Didn't know how to describe it. Almost like flickers, like hallucinations of the doctor 
being murdered by the children, almost like replaying history if it actually happened. Uh, trying to think what video game is that Silent Hill <laughs> that that sort of thing happens where they they Probably. see like flickers of like the past sort of thing. That sounds about right. Um, yeah. yeah, like you know what I'm saying, almost like yep glitches, and you're you're seeing that like if it was a ghost, it's replaying what happened more or less. Yeah, uh, temporal disturbance sort of thing, yeah. like parallel yeah. dimensions. Um, I was going to say, I do like how you called a bunch of teenagers breaking into this mansion. I like how you called them urban explorers. <laughs> Normally, when teenagers break into an abandoned place, it's just trying to find a nice place to drink, smoke, and fuck, pretty much. That so, is very true. You called them urban explorers. <laughs> well, you know what? That is a good point. Um, I don't know. What do you call urban exploring? It's pretty much breaking and entering, isn't it? <laughs> Usually it's breaking and entering, but nowadays everyone has cameras. So now you're, you know, an urban explorer. Yeah. Back then you were just <laughs> a hoodlum. Yeah. Looking, you were bored. You were just a bored hoodlum. You know, <laughs> I mean, think about it. How many places back home had yeah. legends about being a haunted place, even though it was just a derelict fucking building? Well, shit, that. That building, that house that your family yeah. was fixing up to sell to the Amish. You guys were talking about the stories of that place. The one with the um, the holes in the wall so that they could shoot the Native Americans out yep. Yep. back in the 1800s. Yep. <laughs> that, wa that wasn't a story. That wasn't made up, though. Those holes were there, but... The, oh no that that was real that but I'm talking about it the ghost yeah yeah, 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 the yeah, ghost yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah now um I have a little bad news for everybody that according to the state of Michigan there never existed an insane asylum within Allegheny County so if the state is telling the truth then it makes the first explanation for the melon heads completely impossible. Um, now, but we can wonder if there was such mistreatment of these children and other patients, maybe the state of Michigan is hiding the fact that this went on there. Well, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's, they can, you know, they can claim that there was never like a state hospital there sort of situation. But what can they say about like what happened on well, private, especially when the mansion was under the control of the Catholics? Who knows what the Catholics were doing when they had that uh, property? You know what yeah. I mean? Because there really well, probably wasn't a lot of government oversight back then no. over the church. There could be little bodies. They could be literally bodies buried on the property from oh, yeah. that, and they would have no idea. Those old nunneries and convents and fucking, they dig, like, they find, <laughs> it happens all the time where they find unmarked graves, they find, you know, baby skeletons, like, buried in the walls and in the basement and shit, so, or maybe that's also urban legend, too, but. <laughs> you know, uh, Father Jameson got a little too drunk and uh, beat up some of the monks and accidentally killed one of them, you know, tale as old as time. Yeah, got a little frisky. Yeah. <laughs> After he killed three people, we had to move him. Yeah, we just we just sent him to uh, to Wisconsin, and he his diocese is great over there. Yeah, we sent him over to Wisconsin with some of those lumberjack sized <laughs> priests. He's not going to be killing anyone anymore. <laughs> now we're going to move on to the next state here, Ohio. 
Now, the Ohio Melonheads legends are slightly different in origins, although if true, it most certainly is just as cruel as the Michigan ones. The Melonheads within Ohio reside within Kirtland and Chardon, which is located in northern Ohio and is very close to Phil's favorite city in Ohio, Cleveland. Now, there are three different possible versions over the origins of Melonheads in Ohio, but they all revolve around some mysterious person only known as Dr. Crow. Okay, so I can already see this playing out. (laughs) Basically, they accidentally drank the water in the (laughs) river near Cleveland, and uh, then they morphed into these melonhead uh, creatures. They look like the uh, the creatures that live in the sewers on Futurama. Oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> so Cleveland has the river that was uh, on fire for a while, right? That's the... Uh, I don't know, but I would not doubt it. I believe it was, yeah. So Only a lot of pollution out there, a lot of stuff that can start with this. I mean, we know LeBron, I'm pretty sure he's from Cleveland or like close to Cleveland. And yep. if anybody's seen his pinky toe, there's something in the water. I'm just going to throw <laughs> that out there, guys. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a- just like it's just like Futurama where uh, Leela was uh, just human looking enough to be able to go to the surface. You're saying that that's his tell is his yeah. pinky toe. Yeah, I mean, we're, it worked in his benefit because he got freakishly athletic, but, um, yeah. you know, his, his downfall is his pinky toe. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I would trade a weird-looking pinky toe to uh, be able to have the skills that he has. Yeah, So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, half a billion dollars probably or more in his pocket. Yeah, I think he's doing all right. All right, now, yeah. in the first version of this story, Dr. Crow was commissioned after World War II to treat children who were suffering from hydrocephalus. Now, Dr. Crow was working tirelessly to find a cure for these kids, but found himself being ostracized by the local community members who viewed these poor children as nothing more than freaks of nature. Now, not wanting the kids to continue to deal with the cruelness of humanity, he took all of the children to a basically a cabin deep in the woods to shield them from the torment, hoping to find a cure and he could return them to basically normal society. Now, sadly, Dr. Crow was not able to discover a cure before he died of natural causes. This left all the kids all alone and they weren't really sure what to do. So they just banded together and they started scavenging from you know, local uh, stealing from people and all that. And this is kind of why they have their little convent deep in the woods. They're like a little lost tribe of it's like children. Lord of the Flies. Yeah, kind of. It's Okay. So I guess in this one, Dr. Crow, you know, he's trying to do the good thing. You could see if it's a guy taking care of kids with this, you know, disease. Local townsfolk, especially back in the day, they might not be too nice to him. Oh, definitely, yeah. And I actually did just Google uh, LeBron James feet. Uh, I do, I believe that actually comes from wearing shoes too small. I don't know. No, it's from Ohio water, Phil. It's We're from not- Ohio water. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I can't unsee that now. I don't... Every time I see him playing basketball, I'm going to be thinking about that. But uh, people Google that. It's, yeah, it's, it's weird. One. It's worth but, it. Um, it's worth it to Google. But yeah, I could see. So, I mean, you're right about like him trying to do a nice thing, but then him like dying while finding a cure. And these kids are just kind of like left alone. But yeah, it's also kind of the same situation where it's like a campfire story where you're worried about like, you know, like you're worried about one of the kids coming out from behind you and like trying to, you know, attack that sort of situation. Yeah. I don't think in, in that version, they're necessarily like going to kill you, yeah. but it would be very eerie if you are in the woods and there's just like 12 kids with giant heads staring at you with bright orange eyes, it's going to scare the shit out of you. You leave your tent like at two o'clock in the morning to go out and take a piss. And there's just a bunch of them. just like scavenging through your shit, <laughs> stealing your cigarettes and <laughs> be like, I think, yeah. honey, I think the Cincinnati Bengals are outside. We need to get out of here now. <laughs> Go on, get. <laughs> Pittsburgh folk always trying to camp in our woods. Go on, get. Uh, now, let me continue on here. The second version of the Ohio Melonheads origin story is somewhat similar with a few different turns here. Now, Dr. Crow, he was given the task of performing wild DNA sorts of experiments on uh, children for the U.S. government in a secret location in this region of Ohio. As Dr. Crow continued these experiments, he found that the kids were starting to mutate, their bodies were starting to become deformed, uh, with a lot of the deformation leading to them having large oblong skulls or kind of that melon head look that we, we know so well here. Eventually, these children revolted due to their mistreatment, killed Dr. Crow, and kind of survived in the forest of Ohio ever since, or the government shut this project down and kind of just tossed the kids out into the wilderness to survive and trying to just hide all the experiments that they were doing. So they basically made these mutated kids. They didn't want the public to find out that either Dr. Crow did it or they were responsible for it, and they kind of just tried to hide them by hoping they would die in the woods. Yeah, hoping that the Browns fans would just kind of take <laughs> care of them after a while. Um, I Yeah, so when you were first talking about like a Dr. Crow, this is kind of the, the story that I thought it would be, was the kind of like secret experimentation, and then just kind of like either killing him or getting out. So yeah. kind of like mutation experiments, that sort of thing. The Mengele stuff. Um, but yeah, it's also, I mean, <laughs> I do kind of like it, obviously, you know, cause it's the one I had in my, head. but, um, kind of crazy story still, S still seems like very good campfire. Fire, that yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah. Could, it could be, I would say that one yes. would have probably as far as what we've talked about so far, the, I would say probably the highest probability so far that the government was experimenting on kids and then just released them kind of like the Montauk project. Oh, especially during that time. Yeah. That, that sort of shit was happening all over the place. 
the the Montauk Project, MK Ultra, that sort of shit. Trying to make super soldiers or trying to make fucking psychics, psychic kids. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's why their brains were so big or their heads are so big. Big ass yeah. brains. <laughs> maybe this but is where Chris Angel came from. Where Chris Angel came from? Yeah. Most powerful psychic known to date. Oh, that is true. I was going to say you as if you were saying he had a huge head. I was trying to remember like I don't think he has a huge head. But I think he's casted an illusion spell on everybody so we don't notice his big head. He just has an emo teenager's head. Yeah. Trying to think of uh, people. <laughs> I know there's a comedian with a, like a giant head. <laughs> but uh, it's one of the funny things that he makes fun of himself for. But yeah, it's um, I guess it could be the most plausible. Definitely, you know, all of the, the evil experiments that the U.S. government has supposedly done like during the Cold War. That sort of thing. And then you can imagine like during the Reagan, Reagan just, you know, shuts it down. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. Not because it's evil, but because, you know, to save some money. Yeah. Some to fun. To rich <laughs> yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it's funny because it's like with this here, even though how wild and weird this is, there's like three branches of other episodes you can connect it to. Like you got the mistreatment of kids from the Montauk Project. You could be like, oh, this is where they started taking all the orphan kids from the orphan trains just yeah they're not giving them to farmers no more they're just taking them to ohio to be experimented on yeah this is what happened to them when they got to the end of the and there was no takers <laughs> so they just started experimenting on them trying to give them uh psychic powers or big brains <laughs> all right now let me tell you the last one now i think this one is pretty cool actually and i think this to me out of any of them I'm going to tell you, might be the most practical, in my opinion here. Now, the story goes that in 1964, a group of teenagers were driving around in Wickliffe. I don't know if it's Wickliffe or Wickliffe, one of the two. Ohio, it's a town there. Mm. When they spotted a child with a big head, melon head, staring at them from the road. Now, the kid after being spotted, kind of took off running. Um, and the teenagers decided to chase after him. Now, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, assuming they thought maybe it was a kid in danger and kind of followed him. But maybe it was just them being cocksuckers. I don't know. Eventually, yeah. they came upon a house where they spotted a middle-aged couple was sitting on the porch, and they were kind of surrounded by children with these large oblong heads just kind of sitting around him. And they asked the man, yep. like, why are these kids with you? And the man explained to them that during World War II, he was a former nuclear scientist who had been exposed to radiation during his work for the government. And when he started to have children, he found that all his children were coming out deformed due to the radiation. Now, the U.S. government mm. wanted to keep the dangers of radiation secret or as much as they could, or at least keep secret what had happened to this guy. So they basically paid him a large sum of money to remain hidden and not let anybody see what is happening to his children. Uh, the story goes that later on as the kids, you know, kids, they're going to start yakking. They wanted to tell all their friends or like, Hey, you got to come see these kids. And as they're yeah. trying to go out there, the teenagers found themselves being intercepted by the police who they believed 
were in on the government payoff or trying to protect this family and preventing the kids from being able to return to kind of this family again. What do you think about oh, okay. that? It's interesting. I thought when you were when you were talking about the uh, middle-aged com- couple that were sitting on the porch, I thought it was a uh, kind of like a Habsburg situation <laughs> where it was, you know, a family out in the middle of nowhere just kind of interbreeding with each other and uh, you had the situation kind of like uh like that last Habsburg who they claimed his uh his brain was like nearly full of his uh skull cavity was nearly full of water like Ooh. pressing down on his brain um the Habsburgs from we talked about them last week very well known for um incest uh, I thought you were gonna mention it was kind of like a, that situation that but is- yeah I could I could see nuclear radiation. Yeah, because it alters your DNA at certain levels. Am I wrong? I'm right about that, right? Yeah, it causes mutations. Yeah, so if his DNA was fucked up from the radiation, I mean, maybe it would give his children birth defects. Oh, definitely, yeah. Uh, I mean, I could see, like, if I had to pick one so far, this would be kind of like one of my favorites, honestly. Just because there's kind of like a scientific belief behind it you know yeah i mean again i could see the government um trying to kind of bury this we know obviously 50s uh nuclear war time cold war a lot of weird shit kind of went on yeah and it was back in the 50s so at that time maybe they would pay out rather than just kill him and his family <laughs> yeah so <laughs> it'd be like i don't know who hoover might have might have shot them all in the back true. of the heads though true the big mullen heads <laughs> <laughs> they're like okay sir answer one question are you a christian family yes okay here take some money and go hit if you weren't we're gonna have to kill you <laughs> old j edgar was gonna show up and pumps and fucking yeah <laughs> the back of your brains out <laughs> okay kids jagger's coming over to uh play a clown for you here uh, why is that man wearing a wig and a dress don't worry about that <laughs> <laughs> um by the way the inbreeding is going to come up in the okay. next state so don't you worry uh your gotcha. inbreeding will be there we're uh, taking a trip to Tennessee. <laughs> All right, let's go. It's actually going to be in a place you wouldn't expect. But let me tell okay. you one more Ohio eyewitness account of dealing with the Ohio Melonheads. And this is funny as hell. Apparently in 2001, not that long ago, a man by the name of Tony and his family were driving to see if they could, you know, they're taking the kids out. They're like, hey, let's go see if we can see one of these melon-headed children for ourselves. Now, they kind of stopped at some of the alleged hot spots. Didn't see any melon heads. Tony was uh, going to just head home, take his family home. He was driving down the road. He claims he was going between 40 and 50 miles an hour. And all of a sudden, a melon-headed kid jumped out into the road through the forest and he was keeping pace running alongside the car going 50 or 40 to 50 miles an hour now tony obviously in a bit of shock here he he was able to tell that the melon head you know they're traditionally short they're kids but he claimed this guy was at least five seven and he ran along the car for quite a bit or a little bit i should say and then the melon head 
darted into the forest and just completely disappeared. Like, I don't know how he would be that fast. I don't, yeah. I don't even know who's saying bolts that fast. But um, <laughs> if they are superhuman mutated humans, uh, maybe they can run that fast. Yeah, this is so we we talked about this during the Skinwalker episode. Yeah, kind of. This is the basically the same exact story that you hear about kind of like Skinwalkers that all of a sudden they'll run out of the forest, kind of dart alongside the vehicle and keep up with the vehicle, you know, kind of looking at them, looking at the car and then all of a sudden just go off into the woods, that sort of thing. So, maybe he kind of almost like the same thing. Like they were using it for the melon heads. Maybe it was a skinwalker, and he just thought because of the areas he's in, he thought it was a melon head. Oh, kind of like how some people will see a bear, but because of the area that they're in, they'll assume it's a fucking Sasquatch. Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, could well, be. I, I'm in the I'm in the woods of fucking uh, Oregon. It must be a Sasquatch. That sort of thing. Yeah. It could be. Maybe that was actually Skinwalker. There is a lot of natives that were in Ohio in kind of that area, so you never like, know. Oh, definitely. Or it could have been maybe a monster that was like mimicking him or like what he wanted to see. Like he was out uh, looking for a melon head and maybe it just kind of said, oh, well, he wants to see a fucking melon head. I'll show him a melon head like a Bogart from Harry Potter. That sort of thing. Ah, okay. That could be. Could it? Yeah, could Bogart, it, Bogart, whatever you want to call it. Could it possibly have been maybe like a wide receiver or cornerback for the Cleveland Browns that was running alongside the car? Could have been. Uh, the problem is if they're playing for Cleveland, they're not that fast. <laughs> uh, they would have tripped over their own feet. So maybe it was LeBron James running at him. Possibly. He yeah. didn't mention. He would have noticed the feet, though. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. <laughs> I'm never going to be able to not think about that. Anytime <laughs> I see him now. <laughs> uh, all right, we're going to move on to the last one here. Now, I actually think the Melonhead story in Connecticut, oddly enough, is might have the most sightings in the most locations. Um, which is weird to say in Connecticut. You don't really ever even think about Connecticut, but uh, apparently they're there. Now, most of these encounters transpire in the southwest region of the state. There's a bevy of different cities. Uh, this is all of them that they've listed that apparently have had sightings. Monroe, Stratford, Seymour, Weston, Easton, Oxford, Southbury, Fairfield, New Haven, and Trumbull. Now, um, the stories are kind of similar to the other states, but they, I would say these have a, a lot weirder, well, I shouldn't even say weirder, but kind of different um, than Ohio and Michigan. It isn't necessarily like kids suffering from hydrocephalus or anything like that. Okay, and this is uh, Connecticut, very small state, so yeah. all of those places are probably within a five mile radius <laughs> of each other. So have you have you been? To you could probably you could probably walk that pretty. Have pretty you well. been to Connecticut? No, I have not. Never been to Connecticut. I've only been to a few places on the East Coast, mostly just to their airports, as I was flying somewhere better. Yeah, I know. What is it? I mean, the West Coast, South West, uh, the some of the South. I've been to, but the East Coast, man, I 
I don't know. It. Uh, I want to go there. It just seems like nobody ever goes there, unless you live yeah, there. Yeah, it's not. Unless you want to go to like New York or Boston, it's not a place where, like, like would you ever go to Philly just to like you know hang out and see the city? Unless you knew someone who was there, or you know. We're going to a wedding or something for a family member who happened to move there. I would never go to a lot of those cities on the East Coast. Oh, well, I, I want to go to Philadelphia for two reasons. To have an original Philly cheesesteak and the Martyrs, Martyrs Museum, the like Oddities Museum they have there. It's huge. Mm. Uh, okay. Sounds awesome. It's right yeah. up my alley. I would go... I would go to probably Boston to go to a, even though I'm not a huge baseball fan, I would go to a Red Sox game there. That'd be pretty cool. Fenway but Park? Other than that, wouldn't really, yeah. I'd like to see the uh, the atmosphere at one of those Red Sox games seems pretty cool. So Drinking and fighting, man. Oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose you could get a really good atmosphere at Philadelphia throwing batteries at the opposing team and yeah, shit. Yeah. You know. Climbing uh, <laughs> light poles and shit. What they're known for. Yeah. <laughs> Burning a cop car for no reason. <laughs> All right. Now, the first legend we will talk about uh, involving the men- melon heads, it is, again, them escaping, escaping a mental institution. In Newton, Connecticut, there were two facilities now i think these facilities actually did exist so there's a little bit of credibility there uh number Mm. one was the fairfield hills hospital and number two was the garner correctional institute the legends go that the a group of residents within either of these facilities with differing mental health conditions fled after a mysterious fire just kind of burnt the facilities down burned them down the patients didn't know where to go, so they just kind of fled into the forest. Now, with yep. no, nowhere else to turn, the patients, um, they couldn't find any food. So they ended up resorting to cannibalism. Now, according to legend, after consuming so much human flesh, it actually caused their heads to start to engorge, and then they started to become deformed and would ultimately give them the appearance of the notorious melon heads and that is who is prowling the forest gotcha the woods of west virginia yeah. i'm on board <laughs> i Just mean think west virginia <laughs> i mean could they is connecticut close to west virginia phil i don't know all those places up in the northeast <laughs> are pretty close to each other very so. true very true yep now the next legend uh of the melon heads in connecticut actually dates way back to the colonial era of America. The story goes that a family was accused of practicing the dark arts and dabbling in witchcraft. Angered by this, the local townsfolk banished them to live in isolation. Now, when while they were living in isolation, the family with nowhere kind of nowhere else to turn, they started participating in inbreeding, which after many generations caused um, you know, the the children to have large mis- misshapen skulls and anybody who kind of sees these, you know, the deformed inbred humans, um, they kind of get scared. And that is who is prowling the forest within Connecticut. And as we'll find out, kind of the Appalachian mountain range. Oh, yeah. Well, the Appalachians are kind of known, you know, yeah. Every, yeah. it's jokingly known for 
for uh, for the hill folk, pretty much. You know, the banjo music. Yep. You know that sort of thing. Well, I mean, that is con- <laughs> deliverance. <laughs> I mean, that's confirmed. There's literally a documentary about an inbred family in the Appalachian Mountains, and the guy, the poor kid, can't do anything but like bark like a dog. Oh yeah. Have you ever seen what that? What was that one? What was that one called? It was I don't know. It it um it was kind of sad. Well, the Wild and Wonderful Whites. It's That's a different <laughs> know, family. That's a different family. Yeah, I know. <laughs> They're just like drug addict hillbillies. Yeah, I know. It's it's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I would recommend anybody watch that though because that is a great hilarious sad documentary. A great study of humanity. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that this uh so yesterday I was um I was actually at one of my favorite places to get food. It's uh Freddy's. They have really good well, you know, outside the Midwest, good cheese curds. Yeah. But they have steak burgers, they have a few other things. I get into line at the drive through. Right next to the entrance to the drive through is a burnt out RV. Ooh. Obviously a, a meth lab yeah. that had just uh, burned down. Yeah. So I sent Cody sent Cody the picture of that and we had we had a good laugh about some of the uh, the homeless here in Phoenix. So could that have been escaped melon heads? Possibly. Who knows? Okay. <laughs> they just cook in meth nowadays. Yeah. It's the uh yeah. Also probably a great study of humanity if you some of these people the, uh, <laughs> the local homeless out here but um yeah it the picture literally reminded me if you had breaking bad the rv except for the guy didn't know how to cook meth so he blew up the fucking rv that's what the picture yeah. looked like oh yeah definitely it was it's funny because it was kind of sitting there all burnt out but not smoldering still so it's almost like they had it on display. It was <laughs> like you can imagine there was like a fork right up against it. Like they couldn't, you know, get a tow truck and get it the fuck out of there. So yeah, yeah, it was pretty wild. I wanted to look at it again, but uh, you sent it where I could only look at the picture one time. But uh, oh, I have no, I'm terrible with technology. <laughs> yeah. All right, now let's move on to the final legend. Now I actually think. This is very interesting um, about where even the term melon heads might have came from. And I'm going to say this, and I, I get the the feeling that this, how can I say this? This is, it has a feeling of kind of racist, racism involved mm. in it. But it's a word that i positive nobody has ever heard of before. But I'm just going to read it here. Um, it doesn't really necessarily have anything to do with people having deformities or anything like that. Um, basically, and I, I'm pretty positive this is like confirmed information. Uh, several centuries ago, they had a very specific term used to describe uh, mixed ra- a group of mis- mixed race people who lived deeply secluded within the Appalachian Mountains. Now, the group of people were a mixture of European outcasts, uh, freed slaves, and Native Americans. They all chose to kind of live deep in the isolated mountainside. They didn't want to be bothered by anybody. They had their own little community out there of what at the time 
would have been kind of societal outcasts, I guess, if uh, if that makes yeah. sense. So the term they used to describe this group of people back in the day was, I think it is Muligan, Muligan, M-E-U-L-G-E-O-N. Not sure what that is, but it kind of seems like if this was a derogatory term used to describe the outcasts that live in the mountains and I'm going to go out on a limb and assume over time, probably some inbreeding taking place. Uh, maybe the kids had deformities of some kind. And then you can almost see with over time, it, shift, it shifted from like Mooligian to Melonheads. What do you what do you think about that? Yeah, kind of like that old word died out. And then yeah. people were trying to remember what it was called. Yeah. Just like Melonheads. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of, I think that's very interesting. Yeah, there are, so there were words for kind of like mixed race people. There was uh, like mestizo, mulatto, that kind of thing. This kind of like looks a little bit like it came from maybe the same origin word. So it's kind of like the same word almost. I mean, think about it. If you have this kind of community who doesn't want to be bothered, I'm going to, assume if you bother them you're probably going to get fucked up and people are like don't go up there that's where the melon heads are and then it kind of just gets mm. his ball rolling into like scary people in the forest who might have yeah some hills have eyes deformities you know yeah that's uh basically like the boogeyman in the forest yeah kind of the story yeah. even though they even though they may have been banished people who maybe early on were banished or ran away like runaway slaves native americans who were trying to get away from white settlers and you like you said that the european people who just kind of like were outcasted or wanted to get away maybe they had moved on like long after that but the idea was that they were still in the forest anyone who was you know like there's always stories of uh what actually probably happened was someone was killed by an animal or someone was taken out into the forest and killed by, you know, someone they knew, that sort of thing. But there's always like the boogeymen that live out there, that sort of situation. Yeah. To explain it, even though it's usually like very explainable, that sort of the that story. Um, do you remember the old I think it was two thousands? It was a horror movie called Wrong Turn about basically like cannibal mm -hmm. inbred hillbillies. Yeah. So they had a remake in like 20, I think it was like 2021 or 2022 that because of COVID kind of went under the radar, but um, it kind of had a basic, the whole story was it wasn't cannibal hillbillies. It was like an entire village that had fled after the civil war and lived in their own community in the mountains. And then <laughs> they would basically kill anybody who came near them. So it gives me those vibes from that story. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, kind of like a cutoff culture. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. And like the anyone who, anyone who dares come in, you know, I'm sure after a hundred years of isolation, they probably, you know, terrible stories that are passed down from generation to generation that get like very much just worse every single time telling it to where outsiders become monsters. And yeah. not just the oppressors, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, where they have no idea <laughs> what's going on in the world and all that. Um, like an Atari would probably give them a fucking heart attack. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. There there was an episode of Star Trek Enterprise where it was these colonists were sent on a kind of like a colonizing ship out to this planet. And it happened to be they landed just as this whole like huge catastrophic event happened on the planet, forcing all of the children who survived because they were young enough to go underground and then like 80 years later the ship comes along and it's the descendants of those people and they almost look like alien but they have horrible stories of humans like coming to kill all of them basically like hmm. passed down generation to generation that's yeah sort of kind of like that yeah so i just thought uh i thought that was very very interesting now i'm gonna read one more our final kind of uh, alleged eyewitness experience with melon heads uh that happened in connecticut it this one's pretty fun i'm not gonna lie to you it's a good fun story now mm. it dates back to the 1980s a group of girls from notre dame high school of all places oh, uh, <laughs> the catholics are really involved in this episode man um yeah the girls all piled into a a blue ford granada and headed down Velvet Street in Trumbull. And, you know, teenagers, they're just, they're going out searching. They want to get scared of by the melon heads. They would park their car near the woods and kind of venture out to see, ooh, maybe we'll see something out here. The girls had walked about 100 feet from their car when all of a sudden they heard the engine of the car start. The girls quickly rushed back to the vehicle and inside this blue Granada, they saw... A bunch of children with very large heads, tattered clothing, and glowing orange eyes just sitting inside it staring at them. Before they could do gingers. <laughs> Before they could do anything, the car just drove off. And legend states that if you're lucky enough and you drive down this road, some people still see that blue Ford Granada driving down the road with a bunch of melon heads inside of it. So they, okay. I they, can imagine. I, I was going to say, I imagine it's just like seeing a car in Cuba where <laughs> it's basically being held together by duct tape. Yeah. And it has like washing machine parts running it, <laughs> like acting as the carburetor, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to say, if that was, uh, if the melon heads stole the car, Pretty, uh, I guess it's pretty groovy. I don't know how they learned how to drive, but they've got a pretty sweet Ford Granada, which looks a lot like, I. they had a picture of it. It looks a lot like an old Crown Victoria. Okay, gotcha. Big I imagine. <laughs> I imagine that's just the story that they told to their parents when it turned out that they uh, thought that the car was in park and it ended up in a fucking lake. <laughs> it was the fucking melon heads. Yeah. They stole my car. <laughs> they were all plastered and, and fucking crashed the car. I don't know. The goddamn melon heads took it. Yeah, they all met their boyfriends out in the woods, got plastered, and while they were all getting fucked, the car, just the parking brake let go. <laughs> went Just like a movie, went into the fucking water. <laughs> oh, shit. Who are we going to blame this on? Now, uh, it was the fucking uh, forest people. That's who took it. <laughs> now, what's interesting about Connecticut is, and I thought this sounded kind of cool. Apparently, there's like a big, long row, stretch of road um, that has the most melon head sightings, and it's called Dracula mm. Road. 
So people would drive down it hoping to see one of the melon heads in the woods. Apparently, it's very popular to drive down Dracula Road. And I think that might okay. be what the girls were doing here. Yeah. Okay. I get that. Um, what year did this take? Oh, in the 80s. 80s. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could see that. It's funny because when you said Notre Dame High School, the school that we went to, uh, the Catholic school used to be a high school named Notre Dame High School. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> if it was in Iowa, I, I'd be like, oh, maybe. But it uh, is Connecticut, unfortunately. Yeah, there's got to be a shit ton of Notre Dame schools like spread throughout the country. But um, yeah, I wonder it would be crazy, you know, to to see if that like see that blue Granada uh, still running. And uh, like maybe they're kind of like I was saying, like with the Cubans and they're just master mechanics at getting like discarded parts and garbage to like run their vehicles. If look, if they had to scavenge to survive, it's entirely possible they would have to learn that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Have a 60 year old car still on the road, basically, because it's your only mode of transportation or like have it be like horse drawn, like one of those dystopian (laughs) movies Yeah, where they have cars being pulled around by like goats and horses and shit. Yeah. All right, Phil, I got to ask, like, obviously, you know, it's a little silly. We like to get a little silly on this show. Um, Is there any possibility there is even a group of deformed or like mutated children, maybe now adults that have like a little tribe that has been able to survive deep in the woods where nobody really finds them. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. Um, I mean, a lot of this is folk tales, campfire stories, all of that sort of stuff. But, there is a like out in those woods a lot of people think like oh we have satellites we can see everything we have cctv we have cell phones you know there's nothing that can hide from us there's a lot of even like small wooded areas where they find shit um and you know in dense enough forests there i'm trying to think it was in guam when i was in guam uh we kind of went around the base and they actually showed it was a B-52 bomber that during one of the typhoons had broken apart and part of it had blown into the uh, rainforest out there and they had just found it like maybe 10 years ago when they were trying to dig like a new service street for that airport that sort of thing so it was like right under their noses the entire time maybe like 50 feet from kind of like the open area but no one knew where it was because it was in that forest so if the forest is dense enough, you can hide anything. I was going to say, like a satellite, there's canopy, like the the dense forest canopy. You can't just have x-ray oh, vision yeah, no. and see through it. Like even if you get lost in the woods, like it's going to be hard for them to find you. You know what I mean? Oh, definitely out in the sticks out there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just think about like northeastern Minnesota out in the yeah. range. You yeah. get lost out there. <laughs> you're going to have to uh, walk quite a while before you see another human. And the humans you meet, you're not going to want to fucking talk to. <laughs> no. Like right where you start to get real close to the Canadian border, mm. it's just like fucking no man's land. Like, Oh, definitely. Yeah. 
It's a, hey, y'all need some help out there? Yeah. No, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> you you take one look at him like, no, I think we're good. Yeah. I you folks have a nice day. We'll uh we'll just find other civilization civilization somewhere. Yeah, you guys got a cell phone? We got a landline in the barn. Yeah, I think I'll just walk. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, like Ohio, I can't speak for Connecticut, but the region in Ohio, you know, there's a lot of cave systems too. Um, like over I that, thought you were going to bring up Hellier. I mean, there you go. Uh, there's a lot of cave systems in Kentucky around that area. I think they showed a map of the cave systems they've mapped out and it was like all of Kentucky and all that area. There's just like fucking caves or hollers as they like to call them everywhere. Yep. Yeah, it's, I mean, who knows, like, that that shit, too. You know, all the cave systems, who knows what's down there. Um, Obviously, there isn't any, you know, secret underground portals to the fucking, you know, the hollow earth, that sort of thing. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, you could have, you know, you were talking about kind of break-off civilizations, kind of living, you know, underground or, you know, in the forest, you know, it could be they might be living down in those cave systems, you know, living off the scraps of society pretty much. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like people are actively looking for them in these cave systems, really. So I'm not this was kind of an interesting one because <clears throat> I think all campfire tales could have started from like a smidget of truth. Right. Maybe yeah. got out of hand if this kind of, uh, I don't know, society of outcasts in olden times lived in the mountains here, I could definitely see it kind of mutating into like this big thing. Uh, as far as Ohio and Michigan, I don't know. There could be out there. I don't know. It's just weird the like sightings and especially nowadays there's video evidence everywhere for this shit. Uh, I didn't see any. For the melon heads. So maybe they're just really good at hiding. I don't know. Yeah, it's well, like back in colonial times, there were so many groups coming to America that just wanted to get away from everyone. Yeah. You know, either, yeah. you know, for ruler to, to have some religious freedom against the oppressors or the people who just wanted to oppress their own people in peace. You know, that's very true. So. Very true, Phil. So. Yep. Would you give the melon heads a, uh, a Neil deGrasse Tyson 50-50? No, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> um, I'm going to give it, I will be generous. And I will say the chances of melon heads still being around. I mean, the possibility of there being a group of runaway people with, you know, deformities back in like the 40s or 50s. That's a 50-50. I could see that. But them being still around, surviving all this time, be tough. maybe two. Yeah, it'd be tough. 2%. It'd be tough. Yeah. I think uh, we, for me personally, maybe you'll agree or disagree. These locations, if, you know, sub D on the road, we ever find ourselves there, we might have to check out one of these areas. I'm just throwing it out there. We might have to go down Dracula Road one day before we die. Just to do some on-site <laughs> reporting uh, like we did in uh, Roswell and uh, Tombstone there. What do you think about that? Definitely. We'll have to stop in Cleveland to get some of that grade A food that they're known for. 
Hell yeah. Skyline chili. That's what I'm after. Um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Phil, if anybody has experience with the melon heads, where can they contact us at? They can hit us up on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Love to hear from everybody. Uh, probably an even better way to get a hold of us is once again on our Instagram, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Uh, we love hearing from everybody, the messages, you know, the support, the love and the hate. Bring it all on us. You know, it's all good. Uh, Cody has his own Instagram account, which he uses quite a bit. What is that, Cody? You can follow me at Cody Zabub. Give me a follow. Uh, send me a message. Uh, give me recommendations like Caitlin did for this episode. Thank you very much for that again, Caitlin. Uh, and yeah, just uh, shoot the shit. The last thing we ask you guys to do is to log on to iTunes, leave a show a five-star review. Doesn't particularly matter what you say, just uh, five stars. Hi, I'm uh, Melonhead, and I love your show. That's all you got to do. Thank you to everyone who's taking time to do that for us. If you're a Spotify listener, it's even easier hit five stars hit submit and you're done you don't have to type a goddamn fucking thing thank you to everyone who's taking time to do that for us well guys i hope you uh liked a little weirdness with a slight possibility of existing but more than likely probably not we'll see you guys next week thanks guys <laughs>